Welcome to Fable and the Verbivore. I'm Fable, Beth Stedman. I'm the Verbivore, Laura Johnson. And this is a podcast for writers who love to read. Readers who love to write. And anyone who loves words. So today we are super excited. We've got an author with us that we have been, I've been wanting to interview for you for a while. So I'm really excited to finally get to talk to you. So we have Candace Pedraza Yemnitz with us and she has her debut novel coming out February 8th. It's called Unbetrothed. Laura and I have gotten to read it and loved it. I'm really yeah. giddy about it actually <laughs> because this book is like everything I wanted. Like particularly between the ages of like 13 to 16, it was like, this is what I was constantly looking for. Like a little romance, a little fantasy, a character who feels like she doesn't quite fit in or is yes. you know, not like everybody else. Um, yeah, just all of it was so, so exciting to have you for me. Um, so thank you for sharing your book with us early. Yes. And we definitely encourage everyone to go out and get it and read it and review it and all of that. We got connected with Candace because of Instagram and over Instagram. And I just love something that I've really enjoyed is just, I've enjoyed following you. I've enjoyed the things you put out on your account. Your posts are encouraging and fun yes. and so honest too. And so I would just thank you for sharing yourself with the world and for sharing your book. And thanks for being here. Yes. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's course. fun to hear you, um, to hear other people who read the book, who enjoyed it. Cause it's like, when you write a book, you're like, hey, is anyone going to understand me? Is anyone going to enjoy the book? It's the same story I loved. So uh, it's very encouraging. <laughs> And we always start out our conversations asking the same question of, of each author. Can you tell us what your story is with story? Like when you connected with it, any stories from your childhood that you really were important to you? Any of those things? So um, growing up, I didn't really read that much. I didn't enjoy reading. Um, I didn't actually get started reading until I was in high school. I fell in love with Lord of the Rings. And afterwards it was Pride and Prejudice and oh like God. water, like all these classics. But before then I, I didn't. And as I was, you know, getting older I, and I had children, I fell in love with fantasy again, but like the new YA fantasy. So there was Twilight, there was Hunger Games, yeah. Maze Runner, all those sort of books. I'm like, these are really fun. And eventually I'm like, I want to write a story. And I noticed that the characters that I wanted to see in the story weren't there. And mm -hmm. the themes I wanted to see weren't in the story. So I'm like, I'm going to do it. Of course, I was super naive when I got into it. So <laughs> I was like, are we all ever? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And then there's like five years later, I'm like, oh my goodness, what did I get myself into? Do you even know what I'm doing? Except I'm pu being published. So <laughs> yeah, it was it's been quite an adventure. <laughs> It sounds like it. So can you talk a little bit about that process of deciding to write? Like, I mean, I mean, it sounds like you read about some books that you enjoyed and wanted to see something different out there, but that's a really scary transition to go from doing other things, from being a mom to you taught for a while, I know, to then deciding I'm going to write a book. <laughs> so maybe yeah. talk to us about that a little bit. I think I just read a, a slew of books that just did not vibe with me. It was like, okay, well, this book it's so dark, but not in a good way. And mm. I eventually was like mm. upset. And I started in that place where I'm like, I'm going to do a different book. I want it to be like mm. this and this. I had these, all these categories. Mm. So I started writing and it actually wasn't unbetrothed, the first one. It's called okay. like Deruge. And I'm going on submission with that one. Okay. Oh, so. yeah. it, that one has been edited so many times over. 
and it's completely different than unbetrothed. And afterwards I took a break because I realized, man, I'm I'm just not a good writer. (laughs) So I went on a reading spree, but as a writer, and that's a a very different process when you're reading as a writer, you're just like, oh, okay. Look at sentences. What type of sentences are those? And normally I'm not a picky person. I'm not a grammar person. I'm not the one who pays attention to details. So I started paying attention to detail. And I was like, I, I think I have a little bit more skill, a little bit more knowledge on how to do this. And I had this character kind of jumping around in my mind. I used to help out with youth group and I would see high school girls struggling with some of the same things, honestly, that I was struggling with, which you'll see in growth, which is like that feeling of inadequacy. So I had that character in my mind and I wanted her to be how do I say it? She's kind of snobby and <laughs> unlikable, but at the same time, like she doesn't realize it. Yeah, and I, yes. I've seen that before. I've been that person. <laughs> so I started writing it and I, I think I got the first seven chapters and I just quit. I hit a dead wall. I was like, okay, I'm not gonna, or dead wall, dead end. Is that what yeah. it is? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so I stopped and I went back to life after Rouge and I eventually got really inspired because of what is that contest called? They have it like around August, September every year. There's like two pitch wars. That's what I know. I get them mixed up all the time. Yeah. So there was pitch wars and I'm like, okay, I'm going to enter pitch wars. So I finished unbetrothed in one month. Like every night I was there late at night, July, I was like having fun. I was like, okay, I could go to sleep. I can stay up. I'm like, (laughs) turn on the music. Let me finish this up. So I I had a lot of fun writing it and I liked writing the different scenes and having quirky things happen because I don't know, that's just my humor. So I um, finished the book and I like submitted it. And of course there was crickets. No one came back and I kind of continued with it, went to a, what is it called? SCWBI conference. I got a scholarship to one and I met with agents and one of the agents actually got back to me and she's just like, well, the problem is not the story, it's the writing. Oh. So I was like, I didn't know how to interpret it then. And now when I look back, I'm like, that was actually really kind of her to tell me what the problem with my story was. Hmm. So I continued working on it. I did a bunch of other stories and I, honestly, I was ready to give up on it. But every time I went back to Unbetrothed, I fell in love with the characters all over again. Mm-hmm. And every time I got back to it, I was a little better of a writer. So I was able to fix a lot of those errors. I joined contests and in those contests, I got honest feedback and it ended up being a semi-finalist or finalist every, like for, I think three or three That's or four awesome. contests. So I was like, okay, well, I mean, there's something good here. Yes. But of course, contests, if you've ever done them and gotten feedback, they are brutal. And in the best sort of way, because it (laughs) does improve your writing eventually. So I went to this conference, it's over here and I made appointments with authors and I'm like, okay, so I have an unlikable character. How can I fix this? (laughs) And um, after hearing all this feedback, I realized I needed a prologue. Hmm. Most stories, they're like, don't do a prologue at all. But um, if you have an unlikable character, a a person's definitely always more likable you know, when they're a little kid Yes. <laughs> um, and she did have a, like a sad back story. So I wanted to tell that story and I think it was necessary in this one. Mm-hmm. And I told it and I rearranged the beginning. I don't know how many drafts I went through in order to get the first chapter. 
And finally, I submitted, actually, an agent wanted my work. I didn't submit on betrothed to her because <laughs> it's not ready yet. I have this feedback and it's just not ready. So I didn't send it in. <laughs> and um, I did another pitch contest and finally Hope accepted it and she wanted it, the whole thing. And um, I got an agent that year. So that was really exciting. And it was yeah. even more exciting going on submission and finding out, I'm like, oh, okay, Scholastic X for a full and um Harlequin, their um, YA division asked uh-huh. for a full, and you know other awesome. small publishers asked for a full, and I was like, okay, so the idea is good at least, even if they don't want to pick it up, and it just kind of validated me as an author and this yeah. idea they had. So all that to say, I got a contract, and um, <laughs> and yeah. here it is, uh, actually a few drafts <laughs> later after that too. So sure. after one million and two drafts. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I love the perseverance in that story. Like yes. just you mentioned multiple times, like wanting to give up or, you know, running into a wall and just feeling like it wasn't working. And, and yet you stuck with it. And here you are now with your debut novel coming out. That's so exciting. And it's such a good reminder for all of us that like, even when you get negative feedback, even when you are stuck in a story and don't know where it's supposed to go, like there is a way through and you can keep you can keep going. You just kind of have to keep taking that next step, keep learning what you can learn at each stage and, um, and pressing on. So it does. And sometimes your story just needs to breathe. Like I can't see my story errors afterwards, sometimes even a month afterwards, sometimes I need just third and three months, six months in between to actually see my story as it really is and not just in my head. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and actually your prologue was willing to get going to be one of the things I wanted to bring up as well, because I think having that little girl sitting there and having the thoughts going through her head and she's left out of something as something passes her by year and then another year, there's something really human about that, just sitting there with her and being kind of heartbroken with her too, that really does connect you with her drawing you in then when you have to see kind of the the maybe not as nice sides of kind of where that has led it it really allows you to at least have kind of that rooting for her to overcome it made her relatable too because that is a really familiar feeling to just feel like everyone else has this thing that I don't have so I really enjoyed that a lot I really loved too just the I love that she was a little clueless of her own faults and and the way that you managed to both communicate her faults to the reader and also put us really um, ground us in her. And so we also knew how unaware she was. I don't know. It it was a really good balance. I thought of feeling sympathy for a character and relating to a character, but also knowing like, Oh, she's got some real blind spots here. (laughs) Oh yeah, I I kind of like writing a morally great character. I think it's, yeah really hard to do. And honestly, I think when I look at Christian fiction, sometimes I don't, it's not that it's not there. It's that I just don't relate to as much, especially since I have a stronger personality myself, I guess you can say. And, um, you know, I want to see the sinful side and how people deal with that and people overcome that. And I had a hard time conveying that. And I would go over and over it and trying to make it more relatable. And honestly, I have an amazing critique group. So mm-hmm. if you don't have an amazing critique group, please go get an amazing critique group. And one a few things that are necessary for an amazing critique group is that they're honest with you and encouraging and that the group is multi-leveled. 
Mm. So you don't want to be with a group of all newbies telling you what they think. Sure. Groupers are amazing. They tell you whether they're bored, whether they're not bored, what they think they want, what they think they don't want, but they don't really actually know how to fix it compared to someone who has, is multi-published, mm-hmm. has been around the block a couple of times, is probably more apt to tell you the exact truth and the thing that you can actually do to fix it. So having professionals do that is really the best option. And um, you can pay for that. And that's great if you have the money for it, but I didn't. And I don't know if I just got lucky or what it is, but I joined the ACFW so I can get a group. And then when I joined the group, I realized, oh, okay, well, I have another person who won one of the contests for the ACFW, which is a national contest. And all the people seem, or half the people seem like they're already published. So Mm. It was very nice to have that feedback constantly rolling in, like, like, Hey, you are telling right here. Don't yes. do that. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Did they assign a group then for you? you did. Is it, how does that work? So I just joined the ACFW. I joined Crit Starter. So they tell you kind of how to submit and do things and you can just go on the main group. And then in the main group, there are people who are published giving you feedback. But I wanted a more personal group who can actually follow me through that because you only submit like 2,500 words every time. So I ended up being put into a group just randomly. And because I was a YA author, they put me in a YA group and I'm still with them. And I definitely rely on them a lot for feedback. They're very good about, I mean, doing line edit type of things and also picture things. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. It does make such a difference to have people you trust around you who can help you. And, and I think that's a great point about having um, different levels. Like I, I think that can be hard to find or we think it's hard to find, but it's mm-hmm. actually out there and available. And if you, you know, if you look yeah. into some of these groups or um, associations and that sort of thing, there's people who are willing to, to help. That's a good mm-hmm. reminder. Something else that I um, really loved about the story is your best friend kind of character like, <laughs> made with her lovesick boy craziness like was oh yes adorable. I love writing her <laughs> like, yeah it's like was she just fun to write because it just seems like she would be really fun oh she was a blast right I mean I've seen it before I you know at being a youth leader it's like okay you see a little bit of it obviously not as obvious sometimes um sometimes <laughs> just as obvious but it was it's so much fun to write, especially like kind of bouncing off of the snobby character. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you have any advice for writing humor too? Because I feel like you you managed to walk this nice line where there was just these nice little moments that were kind of humorous and funny. And I'm very not funny. I tend to be really serious in my writing. And so I'm always looking for like, okay, how do you do that? How do you get those moments of relief? trying to think I'm like what did I do I feel I got really involved in my writing I uh, when I was sitting there I was just like okay I'm kind of bored right now what can I do for fun and when you're writing a story you're imagining you're the person in it and all the things that you're experiencing in your head and all those quirky moments in your head and they would just come up even when um that one scene in the middle where she's talking to Zikri and she um coughs up a hunk of meat like that was something that like happened with me and my daughter. I'm sitting there and all of a sudden her hunk of meat goes flying across the table. I'm like, that looks like a great scene. <laughs> I love that. That's great. I love that paying attention to things like that, that, oh, that fits. Like that goes. Like I love how if we pay attention to what happens during the days, we can find things that kind of 
automatically like fit within our stories. I think that's fantastic. It is just people watching and seeing the quirky things people do when no one's looking. It's like that person who mistakenly like steps in, like, I don't know, manure or something and just looking around and like scraping it off, you know, that sort of thing. Trying to get those like tiny moments that they make the story more authentic and just add a bit of humor. Absolutely. Well, and I was reading one of your posts about how kind of you embody your characters and how you're talking about the physical, like just how one of your characters squishes up her. I think it was Beatrice, right? Who squishes yes. up her. her, lips her lips. All the time. I'm like, yep. I'm like, it's impossible. Hmm. Sometimes I would, you know, to get into voice, because I think that's something that's hard to do, to be consistent with your voice. Absolutely. I'm like, what makes this person's voice unique? Well, um, after reading, I think it was James Scott Bell, he would always, he would embody his characters. He would like sit in the position of his character, put on music that would kind of be like the character, write Just a free write. You don't have to even put it in your book of your character, just like with no filter or anything, just write like your character would talk. And um, even when you're thinking about motions, because sometimes I write things and I'm like, hey, is that even possible? Oh, yep, it's very much possible. Let me try that. Look in the mirror. How does that look? How does it feel in my cheeks? My mom used to, um, when she was younger, she didn't like her cheeks. She thought they were too big. So she would always, you know, squeeze in her, um, her cheeks and kind of pout her lips so she could make her cheeks thinner. And we looked at old pictures and we would just laugh together. Like, why did you do that? <laughs> what you did to try to compensate, then your cheeks look, and your cheeks look fine. It's just in her head. It's like, okay, this looked much better if I pouted my lips a little and sucked in my cheeks. But that's so human. I yeah. <laughs> it very much so is. Yeah. So I had to include something of that sort in there just to, I don't know, to make that connection, especially yes. with the theme. So also one of your posts, or I think it's a story that showed the kind of journal that you kept um, and including your character drawings. Um, so your character sketches. Did you also do your own bookmarks? Is that something that you created yourself? Yes, I created my bookmarks and just anything with a graphic on it besides the cover, it's something that I did. I really like drawing. I think I um, (gasps) degree in doodling in college, which (laughs) might not be a good thing, but (laughs) I I just like to doodle and it kind of keeps my mind busy. And when I can't write, when I get into really bad writer's block, I'll just start sketching and I got into digital art. My first digital images are probably up there somewhere. I posted them, but they weren't that great. So it's just a process. I guess I'm learning to say I'm just not there yet. And I think yeah. if I, I'm saying that with my writing too, it's been true throughout. Like and maybe I, my writing isn't where it needs to be, but it will be there maybe one day if I continue working at it, just like my drawings. That's such I'm, a good mantra and like yeah. way of reframing it. Like I'm just not there yet. And that's fine. And I don't have to be there yet. <laughs> I can kind of keep going and I'll get there eventually or, or whatever, or I'll at least get farther. I love that. And I think that's a great point too, about being exploring other forms of creativity when you get stuck. Cause I found that really helpful too, to just like switch it up, do something totally different and kind of get your creative juices going in a different way than writing it can be really helpful for breaking through those walls. And also your book is so visual like the language is so visual it's so steeped in being in that space and being able to see where you're at in each setting and you can see how kind of that visual elements of 
of your drawings to kind of reflect mm-hmm. back into how it's visualized in, in the words. That's definitely 20th draft sort of thing. Yes. <laughs> I am. On my first Absolutely. draft, it's like you're floating in air and you're in Because I mean, I think I have that tendency and I think a lot of people have that tendency where like, oh man, I hate really descriptive text. So I'm just yeah. going to make it not so fluffy and everything. And then I came back and it's like, people are like, where am I? Um, so they're like, well, why don't you? No, I get that. Gotta be all the time. Yeah. And it's like, oh, well, I was actually in a jungle. It's supposed to be hot and humid. <laughs> so a lot of that has to do with feedback from people. And eventually nice. people are like, okay, I need to see this. Okay. Yes. And can go back and fix it. <laughs> it does feel grounded in the space, though, in the context. It doesn't leave the 20th draft fade off. <laughs> One thing that I thought was really scary was um, when I was doing my edits, my editor's like, I think you need another chapter with Prince Lux. And I, I just feel like I didn't know him. So I had to write another chapter, put it in there. And I didn't show my critique group. And I was like, oh, am I, am I going to be able to do this with only one filter? Yes. So um, yeah, I think you also get better at it with time because I'm like, I think that scene still like feels grounded, but it's, um, it was added in later. There were maybe a couple chapters that were like that. Will you talk with us a little bit about your process? Like when you get a new idea, where do you start? And it, it sounds like you do a lot of revisions and a lot of drafts. Um, but what is, what does that process look like for you? Well, it depends. Like if I have this scene in my head, I'll just write it. I'm like, okay, I write the first chapter. Sometimes it goes to the second chapter, but usually it stops before I get to the fourth chapter. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I probably have to do some planning. <laughs> I'm not much of a planner, but I've tried to pants an entire book and I just ended up stuck in the middle of somewhere and I couldn't get out. So I felt like I wasted quite a bit of time, which wasn't really a waste. It was practice and learning, (laughs) but um, I was like, I'm never doing that again. So I write a synopsis afterwards so I can know where I'm going, but still kind of give that flexibility of change. Like Mm -hmm. when the character decides they're like, no, I'm going to do it this way. (laughs) And that's perfectly fine. I'm okay with that. I didn't spend hours and hours putting together this really in-depth plan instead I just kind of do what I what the follow the character and then afterwards go and fix the synopsis I think that's a good that's a good way to do it it's interesting to me too that it's um it gives you something a little more fleshed out than an outline but also not so overwhelming maybe or something yes. and it and it's something you'll need later right like you need it to quarry you need it to do anything so and I think one thing to keep in mind is the uh, structure of a scene. I've seen people, they're like, they write their chapters and everything. And it's like, okay, well, where does the scene go? What's the purpose of this scene? Um, so just to keep in mind while you're writing, even when you're writing the okay, scene structure is kind of like, it's an arc in itself uh-huh. and that'll help keep your scenes focused and keep you knowing whether or not that scene actually needs to be there while you're writing, because it really is horrible when you have to go back and delete three chapters yeah. <laughs> they weren't really necessary yeah I've definitely been there and it's not yes. fun <laughs> I'm betrothed lost many many chapters and many scenes and actually it's a really good thing I'm thankful yeah. to and told me delete it I think that is one of the best things you can learn as a writer is to cut as much as there are times when you need to add more things in and, and ground the world mm-hmm. and all of that like so much of it, editing and revision is just knowing what to cut and when. I think a really good thing, if you have your beta readers tell, ask them to tell you when they're bored. 
Yeah. Or if your beta reader stops at a certain chapter to ask them to tell you what chapter did you stop at? Like they may not say I lost interest. They may say they got busy, but either way, there's probably a reason they didn't need to go to the next chapter. That's a great point. I love cover stories and I love yours. It's beautiful. It's vibrant. The colors are just so saturated. I was wondering, do you mind telling the story of of your cover, how that process was? Did you have any input on it? So with my publisher, I know that many publishers are like this. They give you a query or like kind of a questionnaire and you put what you want in the cover, what other covers you'd like it to be compared to. Mm. I put kids of deception. So you probably could think of that and see it a little bit in it. Mm. Uh, My story is definitely much more vibrant. So um, with the colors than that one. So I put that it's in a jungle. I gave pictures for that for examples. And I think the part that my publisher did really well with the cover was um, capture the invitation. I wanted it to be like an invitation to adventure. And I thought they did that very well. So, I mean, you get a little bit of input and the publishers then come back to you and they say, Hey, we're thinking this is the cover. Is there anything particular in it or what your thoughts are? So there were a few edits that I thought that needed to be made and they were made. So I was very happy. My publisher was very accommodating in that way. It's fantastic. It definitely reflects the story. Sometimes you see that there's like a disconnect between what's there and what the story is being told. And it definitely has that feeling of reflecting the story. I know I'm excited about that. I'm really happy to show it around. I'm like, hey, this is my book. (laughs) (laughs) So fun. Candice, we haven't really yet had you give the hook for your book. So would you, do you want to give the hook? Let me see. What do I usually say? <laughs> you know, no pressure. I know my story really well. It's <laughs> that um, every time oh. I get asked that, I'm just like, <laughs> she runs I... away. There's an oath somewhere. Oh yes, it's a deadly oath, and um, she goes to a forbidden valley for magic on a quest for magic. So that's my story, um, and it's definitely about a princess who is obviously if. You, been hearing this entire thing. <laughs> she's quite snobby. And <laughs> she thinks that she's inadequate. She knows she's inadequate. And she that's why she needs magic. So that's unbetrothed in a nutshell. <laughs> I love it. I also love that you had a story on your Instagram. Do you mind talking about that mashup that you had of those two elements in Kanto and the selection? Oh yeah, in Kanto. So actually the reason that I, uh, <laughs> I put in Kanto was because uh, when Encanto came out, I started getting messages from my street team. They're like, hey, so have you seen Encanto? I'm like, no, I haven't. Like, well, you should. And you should definitely put that it's a comp title. Yeah, sure. I'm like, I didn't think about it. Well, then second message comes in, third message, fourth message. By the fifth message, I'm like, I think I actually do have to do a comp to that one because I don't know. It seems like these five people had the exact same thought. And then when I asked one of my friends about it, she's like, oh, you have to see it. And yes, you need to put it as a comp. Like, okay, sixth person, I think this needs to happen. The selection also comes from someone who is an ARC reader. She's like, I kind of got the selection vibes on this one. (laughs) A middle a mixture of Encanto and the selection. <laughs> it sure. seemed like when I saw that, I'm like, wow, it's a decent hook. Like, <laughs> like the combination of those two things. Like, and I love them both. So I, I was here. Yeah, but I have not seen Encanto. I was kind of nervous to see Encanto after I got all those texts. <laughs> oh, like, I don't know. 
<laughs> but um, I'll eventually see it. I just we have Disney Plus, so it's not like I can easily yeah. go over and see it. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> So we like to end all of our conversations um, asking authors for any piece of advice that they would give to other writers, whether they're at the beginning of their journey or whether they're querying or kind of just whatever stands out to you as something you are glad someone told you or something you're glad you learned along the way or uh, wish someone had told you or something like that. Yeah, just anything you have to offer. I mean, where do I begin? There's <laughs> yeah. obviously continue writing, just keep writing, make a time for writing. Writing doesn't happen unless you actually make a time for writing. And it doesn't have to be a big set of time. It could be 15 minutes if you don't have a ton of time. And continue to read audiobook accounts. You can kind of hear what good writing sounds like. Yes. And the other thing is that, man, writing is, there's a difference between being a writer and an author. Mm. That is for sure. I think I was told that, but I didn't quite comprehend what that meant Mm -hmm. because writing is, it's fun. It requires a lot of work. It's very challenging, but being an author and actually selling your book is a completely different ball game. I really enjoy being on Instagram. So that's the good part. I really like getting to know new people. I love getting to know you guys. And that part is fun for me, but yeah that I'm learning, I'm right now, I'm still learning and learning how to sure. do the marketing. Yeah. That is like but, a whole new hat for authors and probably one that doesn't come as naturally to many of us. So absolutely. But I will say, as Bethany kind of touched on earlier, your Instagram is, it's so authentic. It's so approachable. I read it and I get encouraged and I'm, I see you know, similarities where I'm like, oh, I'm not the only one that struggles with that. <laughs> like it's, it's beautiful. It's interesting. And it's also just hugely, I mean, you learn things and I am just feel blessed to have been able to connect with you and what you have to say on there. I'm really encouraged by that. Honestly, um, I just started like giving, I gave a class like for ACFW Virginia at their conference about mm-hmm. Instagram. And I did a ton of research on it. And I used some of the things that I learned. But um, for the most part, I think with that one, just anyone who's on Instagram and wants to gain a following and a connection mm-hmm. is to make sure that you are audience oriented and mm-hmm. in all your posts that you're doing something with your post. A lot of times I see people who they just post like normal posts about their day and that's perfectly fine. But yeah. if you're an author and you want to gain an audience, you want to make sure that you are instructing them in some way, entertaining them or um, something to relate to people. So entertain, instruct, there's another word that I can't remember, <laughs> but it has something to do with um, encouraging. That's the word, encouraging. Yes. <laughs> encouraging people. So in every post, I try to keep that in mind, but I'm like, okay, yes. my audience needs that. And honestly, I want that too. I want the other yeah. authors to show me what they're doing. And I'm like, I'm not the only one struggling with this. Okay. That's yes. good. <laughs> I can relate to that. And I hope people relate to me in that way and they can see that I'm a real person that I'm not just, yes. Yeah. I'm not just a person with somewhat pretty pictures. (laughs) (laughs) That's such great advice. Yes. Candace, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for sharing your advice, your words, your journey and your book. So thank you. And we appreciate it so much. And and we hope that all of you who are listening will go check out Candace. We'll have um, links to her website and her book and her Instagram account. We just hope you all um, enjoy Candace as much as we do. So thank you, Candace, for being here. Thank you for having me. <laughs>